Welcome to the Behind Their Business Podcast, the show that's peeling back the curtain and showing what's actually happening behind the scenes of running a business. I'm your host, Steph Blake, and each week you'll hear from women at all levels of business who are showcasing their stories of struggle and triumph as they juggle business ownership with day-to-day life. Join us to hear inspiring stories and strategies for starting and growing your own business. Hey everybody, Steph Blake here, and I am so glad that you are here for this week's episode. As usual, it is going to be amazing, so you are in for a treat. But before we dive into that episode, I want you to join our private and 100% free and supportive community for business owners to connect in called the Confident CEO Community. So if you have not joined us yet, here is your invitation to come and join us. Each week I also do a live training to share my best tips and tricks for scaling an online business the easy way. We talk about strategy, team building, mindset, tools, automation, and everything in between to help you confidently step into the CEO role in your business. So you can go to confidentceocommunity.com to join us today. And now let's dive in to this discussion with our incredible guest. Welcome back to the Behind Their Business podcast, or if this is your first time listening, welcome. Today we have a really great guest who is going to share about how she was able to successfully keep her relationship intact with her husband while building her business. And now that she has a successful business, it is still intact and it's thriving. So we're going to hear from her about how she did that because a lot of people, myself included, have struggled with this. It's not an easy thing to do when you are in the entrepreneurship world or just in general too. And in her business, our guest is a couples therapist and relationship coach who is passionate about helping people build stronger relationships. So she is in the perfect place to be talking about this today. And she's also a mother, a lover of The Office, but really who isn't obsessed with The Office and all things iced mochas, which also delicious. So please welcome Rachel Elder. I'm so glad that you're here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. So let's just dive right in. Let's start with take us like on your journey. So where you were before you started your business, why you decided to do this business um, or have this business of your own that you have right now. And then how your relationship kind of tied into that as well. Wow. It's hard to even think about the beginning sometimes. Um, So I started out my career as a mental health therapist. So I was actually working for a community mental health agency and doing some MLMs at the same time. So I've been in the beach body world, young living, learned so much, but I don't do it anymore just because that's not my form of business that I do well. I've actually uh, also been in the MLM world. So I feel like everybody has at some point or another, but I never talk about it. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. I learned so much during that time, made a lot of mistakes, yes, um, especially in, the, in regards to starting them and kind of wishing that my husband would just be on board with the process and definitely hitting a lot of roadblocks along that part. Um, But from that experience, I decided to finally venture into private practice in the therapy world, which just means owning my own therapy business and seeing um, individuals and couples in that field. And then now recently I've added in the relationship coaching too. So I'm running two businesses right now all on my own working on building a team, um, while maintaining my family and my marriage. Yeah. I love that. And 
that's, that's a lot. That, that's a lot yeah. to do. So um, can you just take it back a little bit further? I want to, I really like to set the scene for people so they kind of like understand where you're coming from. So I know you said that you worked in more of like a, could you consider it like a corporate environment? Yeah. So community mental health um, is usually, how do I describe this? I haven't really had to describe it before. So community mental health is typically a stepping stone for people who graduate with the master's in counseling or psychology. And it means that you are typically working with low income, Medicaid, Medicare clients. Um, the, where I was working, I was working with children and adolescents. So I was actually going into school systems and providing therapy at school for students, um, working with school counselors, teachers to help with some of the engagement piece with school, but also just the processing life, depending on what they were going through. Um, so I actually did a lot of more community engagement therapy. I met with clients in parks. Uh, we did a lot of more like interactive activities as therapy. So we did some extreme sports, like learn how to rollerblade and do some therapy processing. Um, hiking. I live in Seattle. So we did like hikes to Mount Rainier, hikes around the area and did some nature processing therapy wise. So worked Primarily, I worked with adolescents. That seems to be an area that I did really well. Um, and then working with their families, doing some group therapy. So that was where I started. Okay, very cool. Now, I have a ridiculous question for you. But yeah. when you were saying that you were doing all of these like unique therapy practices, so I've seen this in a movie and I don't know if it's true. So just tell me if I'm yeah. wrong. But I've seen people use like horses for therapy. Is that a real thing that people do? Yeah, it's called equestrian therapy. So it's actually That's a so specific cool. type of therapy, but kind of similar with um, like therapy animals. Um, there's, how do you describe it? There's when you're engaging with an animal, especially horses, I haven't done it myself, but I've, you know, I've had clients who've done it. You have to learn about the animal and you have to learn how to help them cope. Like if you're going to bathe them or, um, I'm totally don't know the words, but like when you dig the dirt out of their heels, you've got to figure out how to soothe them and ease them into that. And as you do that, you also recognize what comes up within yourself as you're attending to the animal. And so there's kind of this um, neural pathway, which just mean like brain to brain and non-therapy language that happens that can be soothing. Um, so just even kind of like in the extreme sports and therapy piece, it was about breaking through limiting beliefs and barriers and obstacles, building up your self-esteem, working through challenges that develop that sense of self, the capability we have and working through some of the voices that come up in our heads from others in our life as we try new things. So it is a real form of therapy. Some people do it for like weekend retreats. Some people do it for their therapy weekly. So it's a real thing. That's so cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I'm just imagining like myself becoming calmer as I'm trying to calm the horse, which that it makes total sense, but yeah. that, that's awesome. Um, so can you explain a little bit about your family too? So like, how does your family tie into this? So were you, did you meet your husband when you were, um, doing that type of therapy or did you start your business and then meet him? Like how, do, how does that all play together? 
So I actually met my husband on the first day of graduate school. Um, he was, he's not a therapist himself, but um, I was new. I moved from Indiana to Seattle, Washington to pursue my graduate degree. So I was brand new to a city that I'd only ever visited. And so I had a friend who was like, you're, you're a young adult. You are new to a city. You don't have a boyfriend. You need to get out and date. So my friend helped me create a dating profile before I moved out here and I met my husband out of it. Uh, so I had had a very overwhelming day of orientation at my school and was like, what the heck did I get myself into for the next four years? This is crazy. And I thought, you know what the best thing to do when you're stressed? Go on a date, have someone buy you dinner. <laughs> so yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I had blown him off a few times because he knows the story. The picture that he had on his profile, I was like, you're saying you're like, I forget what we're like, 24, 25. You say you're 24, but your picture makes you look like you're 34. So I was like, I don't really know if you're legit. So I blew him off a few times, but I was like, whatever, this guy's persistent. So I might as well just meet up. And I was in the middle of my orientation day and I texted him. I'm like, Hey, I'm free for dinner tonight. If you are. And he's like, I'll be there. And so we met up and we've been together ever since. (laughs) So he was a part Yeah, he was a part of the whole graduate school process, which in the school I went to is a pretty big deal. A lot of relationships end because my graduate school journey required a lot of personal therapy and a lot of unraveling to help you build your ability to be a therapist. And so as people do that, they they leave parts of themselves that don't serve them well anymore. They discover new parts of themselves and the relationships around them sometimes don't journey with them. So I always say, if we made it through graduate school together, we're set for life. Um, I don't know how reliable that is, but it feels true. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting that you say that because I am not a therapist by any means. I will never say that I am, but I have done a lot of my own inner work. I've gone on my own like inner journey over the past, I don't know, at this point, maybe three years, but, and my husband has too, we've kind of gone through it side by side. I don't know how that happened, but we just decided to dig up all of our childhood traumas at the same time. A wise yeah. choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you're right. Like if, if he and I didn't have like really firm, but like a really firm foundation, it would have definitely crumbled because there's a lot that tests you. So I can only imagine being a therapist, also talking to other people and having their, I don't want to call them problems. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the right language is for this, but they're stories, their traumas, mm-hmm. whatever word yeah. you want to use, um, add it on to you. So if you're not really, I don't know the right word. Like if you're, if you're not really confident in yourself, I guess, mm-hmm. then it would be much more difficult for you to bring a partner into that as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sometimes what serves us is that he was a part of the process from day one. I mean, he didn't know what he was getting into when he decided to date someone who was pursuing a degree in counseling. Um, but like the first few years in in this world of therapy, there's a lot of practicing of like how to have that boundary, kind of what you're describing of as I sit with people, how do I not take home or hold on to what's theirs and give it back to them? And yeah, so that's what I was trying to say, the boundary. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, I knew what you're talking about. Um, yeah, so there's an internship process as you pursue a master's in therapy. Um, and so my last year was doing the internship and it took me if probably took me the whole time, but it there was definitely a lot of trial and error of trying to figure out like how do I come home at the end of the day? and not 
like kind of project everything I've been holding because there's also this boundary piece with HIPAA in the therapy world that I can't tell him how everything that happened during my day. And so that was a hard part too, of being able to just like a lot happened. That's all I can say. It was really heavy. It was hard and I'm depleted. Um, and so there was a lot that happened during that first year of like, I would have to slow down, like, okay, I'm not actually mad at you. I'm mad about something else, but I'm taking it out on you. And that's unfair. Um, so we're definitely at a different place. It still happens in the work that I do sometimes, but he knows the signs and the triggers. He's like, oh, wait a minute. This is not about me. This is something that happened with your day. I'm going to let you do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. And I know in about an hour, you're going to come back and be like, I'm really sorry. Something happened today and I just processed it and I love you. So it took, I mean, in five years into this work now. So it's taken, taken some time to get there. Yeah. No, I mean, I can relate to that just in my marriage with my husband too. Like if I wake up and I have, and I'm anxious, he's like, why are you anxious right now? Mm-hmm. You didn't say anything. How do you yeah. know? It's like, they could just like feel your energy yeah. sometimes, yes. which is, yeah. So crazy. So can you share a little bit about at what stage in your relationship you decided to start your business and how that kind of had an effect on things in your relationship? Yeah. So I started my own therapy practice in 2018. I graduated in 2017 with my master's, got married the day after, and then six months later decided to do the therapy business. Um, So I was working community mental health full-time and then doing one day a week of private practice on my own. Three months into that, I decided to join a group practice So three months after that, I shut down my private practice because I thought I couldn't do both of them simultaneously. Um, And then a year after that, I left community mental health, put in my notice. Two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant and was like, oh, crap. I just put in my notice for a job that has benefits and I'm going to have no benefits. And my husband's a business owner, too. So I was like, great. What a what a wise decision to make. Um, and I worked for the group practice primarily, which group practice and therapy world just means um, working with other therapists under their business. Um, so it's not your own, but you're still doing therapy work in a different setting. Went on maternity leave. Before going on maternity leave, I had decided when I returned back from my leave that I was going to open my own private practice again. And so went on maternity leave at the end of 2019 took about a month off and then opened my private practice one day a week, which then eventually grew to three days a week, about six months after having my little one. And now I am working four days a week in my therapy practice, as well as doing coaching. And it's been two years. I got a two-year-old. So it's been a little bit of a wild, a lot of shifting transitions for the last five years. Yeah, it sounds like it. So you mentioned that your husband is a business owner as well. So he doesn't work with you in your business. He has his own separate business that he's running. Yeah, he's got his own franchise that he runs that he's he was doing when we first met. So he's been okay. in business for 10 years now. Okay, very cool. When I was in corporate, I worked with franchises. So I am very familiar with the franchise industry. Uh, but yeah, that's basically like your own business with some support nope. from corporate. But yeah, I mean, it's basically the yeah. same thing. Um, so 
there's, there's so much to unpack there. I'm trying to figure out (laughs) where do we even start? I got a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it's good though. It's all, it's all good things. Right. But I would love to know, like, let's dive a little bit into how you were able to nav navigate it all, I guess, with your relationship. Cause I know you said that you were really proud of yourself for keeping your relationship intact with your husband while you were starting your business. And then now I know you said that it's a successful relationship, successful business. So I guess, do you, do you have any like tips that you can share with people, like different things that you can remember that you specifically did to make sure that that relationship stayed intact? Because like I said before, I know there's a lot of people who they struggle with their relationships and that's not something they Mm -hmm. talk about on social media because that's not exciting. That's really sad, you know? So I guess, do you have like any advice that you can share from your own journey that you went through? Yeah. Well, I'll preference, like it hasn't been perfect from day one. I've made a lot of mistakes and I think the different- we all have. Yeah. And I think the the part is I've learned instead of letting those mistakes keep repeating when they happen, I've taken that time to reflect and be like, okay, why did this happen? Why did it play out the way it did? Where's the breakdown? Um, So like going back to the MLM days, I just decided to do those on my own. And I always anticipated that my husband was going to say no. So I came in very forcefully of like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I want to do it. And you can't talk me out of it. Now you can probably go into that foreshadowing of that doesn't really work very well when you're starting a business of any kind and just kind of telling your partner, get on board or leave me alone. Um, That's not healthy. So we did a lot of trial and error with that kind of process. And I finally got to the point where I would have to go to him and say, for some reason, I'm fearful that you're going to say no to me about this. I want to talk to you about why this is important to me, my thoughts around it. And then I want to hear your thoughts too. It took a lot of work for me to get to that point of actually being open to hearing his thoughts. Um, Really good. That's really, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I've noticed myself doing the same thing. Like I'll go and invest in something and I won't tell him. And I mean, I I still necessarily don't, but at least now I'm open to having a communicate, like a, having a conversation with him about it. Whereas before, like you said, I wouldn't have done that either. And Mm -hmm. I think, well, I mean, where do you think that came from? Well, I definitely think part of it's like my own background, my own family history. Um, And I think some of it was made up in my head. I have anxiety. So anxiety wants you to kind of go to that worst case scenario. And so some of it was formulated from that. But I think it was also applying um, like different things we had gone through in our dating and the beginning of our marriage where like a no was given or there wasn't that. Uh, natural support in the beginning that I wanted or desired. And so I would apply it to all areas of life versus kind of slowing down and separating like, okay, that was that own situation, that one-time event. That doesn't mean it's going to keep repeating, but that's what our bodies do. It's like this happened. So therefore we must prepare. It will happen this way always. And that's the work we have to do to say, wait a minute. It's not always going to be that way. And maybe there's a pattern or a theme that shows up that we can work on, but I don't have to, just because he told me no that one time doesn't mean he's going to tell me no all the time. So I have to bring that into some of the conversations sometimes of like, this is what my brain is freaking out about. And I'm trying to slow down and realize that you have no idea what I'm even bringing to you yet. So I'm going to tell you this is happening up here in my head. 
Um, but I want to hear your thoughts about what I'm doing right now and why this is important to me. And I want to hear what you have to say too, with ultimately having a dialogue and a conversation. I think the other piece I've learned is sometimes I just want the conversation to happen in one sitting and be done. But a lot of the conversations, especially building a business, it's an ongoing conversation. And so embracing that mindset of like, this is just the first start of the conversation. We're probably going to keep circling back to this and continuing to grow it and evolve it. I've got to be on board with that. I can't just be like, like with my coaching business, I'm going to start a relationship coaching business and that's all you need to know. That's it. (laughs) I have to constantly bring him back in of like, okay, I've got some clients, which means my schedule shifts a little bit or like, and for my practicality of this week, like every hour was booked in my life. And so just helping him know, like, I'm probably going to be a little bit more depleted this week than I normally am because there's no space to rest. And I just want to give you a heads up. It's a very busy work week. So then he can go cool. Like I know how to support you. I know what to expect energy wise of you this week. And I can, I can wrap my head around it and let's have a conversation of how we don't do that again in your schedule. So that way we can get the best of you as well as everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm getting from this is open communication, actually talk to your partner about everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's my go-to. I mean, I'm a couples therapist. I'm a relationship coach. If you're not talking, of course you have problems. Of course you feel disconnected. You have to have open communication. You have to have conversations and dialogue about what's happening in your life, whether they're involved in your business or not. They're still supporting you. They're still observing how it impacts you. And I know my goal is that I want him to be like cheerleading me along the way, like team Rachel all the way, even if I don't always get it, but I can't expect him to be my cheerleader if he has no idea what's going on. Yeah, no, I completely relate to that. It took a couple of years into my own, maybe like three or four years until I actually told my husband what I was doing. Most days he still doesn't even really understand, which is fine. He doesn't need to know all the details of everything. He wouldn't understand or care either probably. But there was one thing that you mentioned before when you were talking about anxiety. And one thing that I have learned to do over the past year, especially is kind of figure out when I'm going into that, like freak out mode and trying to make up stories in my mind is I will, before I even have a conversation with him, sometimes I'll just do this on my own too, is I'll write down like, what is my brain saying? And then what is the truth Mm -hmm. in that situation? Because I have gone on spirals before where I'll just make up like complete scenarios in my head that never existed and never could exist because yep. we're that crazy. So yeah. I don't know if you've ever done that. Yeah. No, I, I call it the, what, what's the story I'm telling myself or what are the stories or how, how do I say it? What are the stories that come to mind or memories that come to mind that are impacting my thoughts right now? Because there can be good data there for you to explore. Um, like I had a conversation with my husband the other week about, oh, I, I wanted to work with this new business coach and I was already working with a business coach. So I kind of knew he's going to be like, well, why do you need another one? Like I knew that was going to be the question because I know him. Um, and I was like, the whole reason I want to have this conversation is that I just need to know that you support my decisions and that you believe that I make wise decisions because I've got something in my head saying you, you doubt me. And I need to not believe that. I need to make sure you don't actually doubt me and that this is not real. And if it is real, we need to have a conversation about why you doubt my decisions. 
And so he was like, I really don't get the decision to work with someone else. And I hear that you want to do this. I can see that your mind is made up. I do believe you make good decisions and that you're going to maximize your time with this. But I don't, I wouldn't tell you to do it, but I know you're going to do it. And it was a way different dialogue versus going in and like, you, you doubt me and that impacts me in this way. And you need to change that. Instead, it was like, there's my anxiety here. I don't know if it's true. Can we talk about it? And I, I will say not every husband's going to be great at doing that the first time. It's taken quite a few years for him to understand like, oh, that's Rachel's anxiety coming out right now. Okay. I know what to do right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, my husband and I have been together for seven years up at this point and it wasn't for the maybe five years in he started to notice it. Like I would just wake up. And like I said, that energy would just be like exuding off of me. And he's like, you're anxious. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't even said good morning to you. How do you know I'm anxious? Yeah. Um, but again, I have also learned to manage that. So I don't wake up in those anxious moods as often mm-hmm. as I used to. So man, we're all onions, aren't we? I say that all the time. We're like always peeling back layers of our own selves. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind sharing, I would also love to hear how after you had your child, how that affected your business, your relationship all of that, because a relationship is one thing, a business and a relationship is one thing, but then you bring a kid into a picture and it's just a whole, a whole other ball game, especially when you both are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I talk about this a lot in my work. Like you really have to embrace a trial and error mindset when you're in a relationship one, because you're meant to evolve and grow both of you individually and together. And you go through life transitions such as becoming parents. And so man, I would say like the first, I would say we are just now in a better swing of navigating both being business owners, being parents. The first year, year and a half was really hard. Uh, For me, I was, I think there's that piece they taught. There's a quote that I love, but basically when you become a parent, there's like a new identity and you lose some of your identity. And I really struggled with that in the beginning of like, I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I love my daughter and I love my work. And so I pushed so hard to go back to work a month later, would never, never repeat that, never suggest it to anyone, but I did that. And I couldn't shut off like the, this, I don't even know how to describe it. This energy of like, I need to work to have a sense of self. And that way I don't get lost in being a mother. And then I'm not sleeping. So I can completely understand. Yeah. I don't, I don't even think I made it a month. I think I was probably about two weeks after, and I was still at the point where I could barely walk. So yeah. it was like I, sh- I had no business working, but I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. And I, well, and my husband got to go to work every day and I was like, really, I, I didn't resent him. I was envious. I was mad that he got to leave every day and interact with people, even though they're like not people I want to interact with. <laughs> But like, I was mad. And then he would come home tired because one, no one's sleeping during that time. And he's still got to go out of work. I'm the one somewhat getting to nap, but not ever really deep sleep. And then he'd come home and he's the only person I could talk to. And so he's like, I'm tired. Like, I don't have the energy to like take on what you're giving me right now. And so there was those conflicts that happened. Um, And so I kind of threw myself into work instead of slowing down and thinking about like what's being activated or triggered with me within me, what does this mean? How can I spend some time exploring it? I was like, I don't like what's happening. So I'm going to pour into work or 
I'm going to pour into everything that's not working in our life and just focus on that. So it took a long time of me being able to get to the place of naming what I needed. That was the big issue. Yeah. My story is so similar to that, but maybe it's just, it's probably a very common thing. First time parents, business owners, it's all very, all very new, all of it. I used to say that I had, because I, when I had my son, I had left my full-time job to go full-time in my business. So I had this like new business that I was in full-time and I had this new baby that I was trying to take care of. And it was very overwhelming, like you said. And a lot of the times, I don't know about you, but our relationship would come last. Like it Mm -hmm. would be usually baby, business. And then if we got to talk to each other, we would talk to each other. But yes, yeah. yeah. And now- like you said, we're now, my son's almost two and a half. So we're now like in a good spot, like a really good spot again, but it took a lot of trial and error to figure out how to navigate all of it. Yeah. And I think kind of the media wise, no one, more people are starting to talk about it, but I think we do a huge disservice to ourselves only giving that highlight reel. Like I, even for myself, I wish I would have gone on Instagram at times and just been like really raw and honest and be like, this is so flipping hard. Like I love my husband and yet like, I'm so unhappy with this dynamic and you start to focus on like, well, maybe it's, maybe it's him or maybe it's me versus just the normalization of like your whole world up unraveled for beautiful and goodness, like having a child beautiful, but no one really sits down and tells you like, Hey, I think the research says like for the next seven years, there's so much transition that happens. So prepare yourself for seven years that you've got to wrap your mind around. Like you're going to do a lot of trial and error. There's going to be some really difficult moments and this is all normal. There's a reason that people end up getting divorced uh, when kids are about six, seven, eight, nine, ten, because they unraveled for that whole time. And there was no work being done to normalize that, validate it and explore like, what can we do right now to make this sustainable? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that you're saying that. And honestly, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast in general, to talk about all of the stuff that's happening behind the scenes of running a business, like the stuff that people aren't talking about that that's not on the highlight reel, because you're not going to hear people talking about how their marriages are failing behind the scenes when they're just showing up and being happy on social media. Like yeah. people aren't going to talk about that. Um, but I would love to know, like for people who are listening right now, who maybe aren't in a great spot in their relationship, whether it's a partner, it's a marriage, can you just give some pieces? I know you've shared a lot of your own advice and um, your own journey as well, but I guess from more of a professional's perspective, if it's different, I don't know, it may not be different, Mm -hmm. but can you just share some advice for those people, I guess, of like where to start if you're just struggling right now and you don't see a way out? Yeah. So I always say reflection. So I would encourage you to get pen and paper and start with, I usually at this point, it's really easy to identify what you want to stop or you don't want to continue. So kind of naming the negative or the parts that hurt, write that down. What is, what is it that you want to stop or you want to not keep going? So, um, like for me, it was like, I wanted to, I wanted to be dated. I wanted to be courted again. And so naming, like, I want to, at that time it was like, I wanted to stop feeling like I was the last priority. Um, and so sometimes it's easier to start there. 
But then if you start with like the things that are negative or that you want to stop, then naming like what's what would be the opposite of that? What's maybe the positive need or the positive change? So for me, not feeling like the last priority, the positive change would be courted, dated, prioritized, you know, that there was one day a week that was like, oh, this is my time with Rachel. And I felt it. Um, maybe you want to stop being the house manager. Okay, what's the positive change? I would have a partner who holds the same amount of responsibilities as I do. It's sometimes really hard to name the positive need or the positive change you want. And most of the time we go in with the criticism of like, I'm the one doing the laundry all the time. I want you to do more. Well, when you criticize, your partner is going to get defensive and they're not going to hear what you want. But when you say, I'm really stressed and overwhelmed, I need help. I need support. Your partner's going to say, okay, well, maybe not that easily, but usually they're going to be a little bit more receptive to like, oh, that's what you need. I want to meet your needs. I want to support you. I just didn't know. So starting there. Um, and then I like to do the action step of like, okay, so what has to happen for that positive change need or reality to happen? Um, what's your role? What's your partner's role or spouse, whatever you're calling it? Um, what, what do you each need to take ownership of? Because I think what happens is sometimes like, well, I don't need to change. They need to change. It's a relationship. So you both need to change. You can't wait on the other person to change first. So you change. You have to decide what you're willing to do. And they have to decide what they're willing to do. You don't get to wait around for them to make the change. And then you say, okay, I'll show up differently now. That's not how that works. I tried Um, to do that for a long time. It didn't work. Yeah, we, we all do. It doesn't work. Don't repeat our mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think those are the first two steps. And then I'm really big on like, okay, so what can you actually do right now? What's the intention you can set? Which one do you want to start with? What's that top priority? Because I think what also happens is we lay it all out and we try to change all of it at the same time. And that's not, I really focus on like what's sustainable, especially if you're in like this new, new business parenting or new life transition, there's so much happening. You've got to break it down into smaller steps of like, okay, this week I'm going to focus on more gratitude towards my partner. So I don't only see what they're doing wrong, but I see what they're doing well. Um, This week I'm going to sit down and schedule out date nights with my partner because that's what I can do. Uh, But breaking it down into smaller steps and then building as you integrate different things into your relationship. Um, And then I would tell yourself to give yourself the mindset of at least six months to pour into this and really try to change. The other area I see people fail in is they're like, okay, well, I mapped it all out. And so I tried it for one week and it didn't work. It's like, well, of course not. It took time to get to this place. It's going to take time to get out of it. So six months isn't always the answer, but usually within six months, you're going to see some change and progress happen. And it's easier to make more change and progress happen when you've seen a little bit happen. It builds upon another, the motivation continues. So like in my coaching programs, they're six months. They're not quick fixes because I really try to integrate. You need the time to implement what you're changing. You need to give it a few months, a few weeks. I mean, habits take 21 days to form. So one week of trying to communicate well is not going to shift a whole year of not communicating well or a whole decade of not communicating well. So there's this balance of being realistic of what needs to happen, where you're at to get you to where you want to go, and then creating a a sustainable 
action plan to get there. I think that's all so incredibly helpful. And um, one thing that my husband and I have, well, we've done all of those things at some point or another, but one other thing that we have done, which has surprisingly helped, and I didn't know if it would or not, but we found this um, app called Paired. Have you heard of that app? I haven't. So it's really cool. And it actually, so you can link it up to your partner's cell phone. It's P-A-I-R-E-D. And I'll put the link in the show notes too. But um, it asks you a question every day. And it's like one question, like, what is something that your partner does to make you feel good? And then I would answer it. And then he would answer it. And then once we both answer, we can see each other's answers. So it's a really good way. We do it at the end of the night. So like when we're laying in bed, we'll do it. And then we'll have a conversation about the answers because sometimes it's not at all what you would expect, but it's also not a conversation that you would normally have in your day to day. So it like, it prompts you to think of your relationship on a deeper level, I think. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm shocked. I haven't, I love learning like new apps and stuff. So I'm shocked. I haven't heard of it, but I think that is really helpful. Um, if it's okay, can I share a free resource that I provide for people? So I, this came probably like three months into the pandemic and, you know, when the the pandemic first started, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty for so many, but then we started to see relationships severely impacted. And so I created this, what I call the weekly relationship check-in guide, but it's, um, I always forget. I think it's six questions, but it's um, what's going well in the relationship. So you start with the positive, positive, what could be going better. So instead of saying what's going wrong, we're saying, what can we improve on? Which also infuses that positivity, that growth mindset. Um, There's sitting down and looking at the schedule together. So like what's coming up in the next week, what are kid appointments, what are work appointments? Um, And then you go into what are your individual needs? What do you need in your life to be healthy? What are your relationship needs? So what do you need from your relationship to be healthy? And then what does emotional support look like for the week? So how can your partner emotionally attune, support you throughout the week? Maybe it's reminding you to eat dinner (laughs) instead of working through dinner. Or, you know, my husband will often take my phone out and be like, okay, put this down. Like you need a break. Um, Just these little things that we can do to support each other. But I created it because people were just kind of living in this unknown and uncertainty and like hoping things would get better, but they had no idea where to start. And so this weekly check-in can be that check-in with your partner of like, okay, what's happening in our relationship? What do we need more of? What do you individually need? What do we need relationally? And it's about that conversation of being able to communicate like this went really well. And this, like this area could have gone better. Can we prioritize doing that more this week? Um, and instead of it being the criticizing or pointing the fingers, it's more of like, let's grow together versus growing apart, which I think happened for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And I really love that because it, so many people do like check-ins in their business, mm-hmm. but they don't think about doing check-ins in their relationship. So I think that's great. Yeah. We'll definitely share that. Um, I'll just have you send me the link yeah. after and we'll put that in the show notes for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think yeah, if you're great. building a business too, like, I I talked about this on another podcast a few weeks ago, but if you want your business to thrive, you've got to identify the people in your life who are going to support you in that. 
And you have to prioritize those relationships. So for me, I mean, it helps. I'm a couples therapist and relationship coach. So if I'm not having a healthy marriage, I have no right to be helping other people have a healthy marriage. Um, But I have to constantly go back of like, who are the people that support me and elevate me as I do this work? And how am I dedicating and spending time with them? And I think that can be in any business, not even just in the, the relationship world, but even for your business, right? Of like, your husband is, is a partner for you. He's a support. So how do you keep prioritizing them as much as you prioritize your business or knowing, Hey, I'm going to push season for my business. When the season slows down, I'm going to prioritize more time in my relationship or with my family. So that way it's never that one area is always depleted, but that all areas are being raised and lifted up together so that you really are thriving and are healthy in all the areas of your life. Yeah, no. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that too. I'm so glad that you mentioned so many things in here, but yeah, I mean, for me, for a long time, I didn't think it was possible to quote unquote, like have it all, but, and I, I've always been very compartmentalized too with, I'm like, this is my business and this is my relationship, but they can blend very well together too. And you can call on your people in your family and your relationships to support you in your business as well and vice Mm -hmm. versa. So um, I am glad that you mentioned that. And yes, we definitely want to make sure that everybody has that resource so that they can do their check-ins and make sure everything is seamlessly integrating and working well in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important communication about what's happening in your business and your relationship and your family. They all impact each other. Absolutely. Yeah. So where um, can everybody go and check you out if they want to find you? Yeah, I am on Instagram at Rachel Elder Coaching. I also have a free Facebook community called Building Stronger Relationships. So I go live there weekly. Um, I go, I post in both groups, Instagram and Facebook, Monday through Friday. Um, and then uh, my website is rachelaldercoaching.com. So pretty easy to find me. <laughs> yes, perfect. And we'll link to all of those in the show notes as well. But that is great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for just being vulnerable and sharing your story. And because I know it's going to help other people make them feel less alone. So thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Behind Their Business podcast with me, Steph Blake of the Blake Collective, which is a female-led company focused on helping online entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, we would love to interview you. Visit our website at behindtheirbusiness.com to submit a short application and learn more about the show and how you can support our mission. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share it with a friend or a loved one too. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you again for listening to the Behind Their Business podcast.